Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Good Enough Human podcast. My name is Antonia Jones, and I'm delighted you could join me today as we chat about the highs and lows of single and co-parenting. I've been parenting solo for almost three years now, and the journey to this point has been quite challenging, but also hugely rewarding as my son, who's now six, and I have settled into a new way of life and are really loving it. But parenting, whether you're on your own or with a partner, is not an easy job. It's also been extremely difficult in recent months through the pandemic, with most of us having to work as well as homeschool. So on this podcast, Angela and Sarah, who are also single parents, join me to offer up our top tips for those of you just starting on your single parenting journey. We hope you find it useful, but most importantly, we'd like you to remember to go easy on yourself. We know you can do this. So do you think there's a distinction between being a single parent and co-parenting? Because my ex-husband is very much like, you're not a single parent, you're co-parenting with me. And I do agree that there is another parent in the picture. So I'm not totally a single parent, but I feel that when I'm alone in the home, when my son goes to bed, I'm a single parent. I can't go out for, I mean, there's been times where I've needed to get essential items, but he's been in bed, so I've not been able to go out. Um, when he's ill of a night time or in the day, you know, I'm, I'm practically a single parent in that respect. So do you think there's a differential between the two? Or? Um, I, I see what you mean. And I do, I really feel for parents and carers who's, you know, sadly, they may be widows or widowers or the the father or mother isn't in the picture, the other parent or carer. And I think fair play to them. You know, they just haven't got that support at any point of, oh, I need a breather this weekend. Let's see if their, yeah. their father can, can have them for a few hours or can help with, I don't know, medical appointments, school runs. But we still, we are single parents. Um, we do a heck of a lot and it's all on our shoulders isn't it at times and you feel that it's because when you have them you are responsible for the homework you are responsible for making sure everything goes like clockwork and you've got to fit it in with your life so I think when you're on your own looking after a child even if they do have a parent in another household I think you're still considered a single parent yeah, because we have this ongoing discussion when I, you know, I say, you know, single parent, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, you're a co-parent. We co-parent. And yeah, we indeed co-parent. We, yeah. My son splits his time between um, my house and his dad's house. But like Sarah just mentioned, when when my son is with me or his dad we are single parenting aren't we so absolutely if if anything happens in the night if he wakes up or they you know they they've hurt themselves it's down to us isn't it if they are in the exactly. house with us yeah. at that time and it's and you do feel the people have different support systems as well I mean some people will have grandparents next door some people won't when I first moved to Chester I, I really was a single parent I had a child of two and five and my brother, I had, I knew the only person I knew in Chester was my brother, who also had a young family. But it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying because I thought if something happens to me, no one will know. Gosh. You know, yeah, if I have an accident, true. I've got these two young kids, there's no one around. So you, you do feel that sense of anxiety, don't you, and responsibility. 
Definitely. I mean, when I was ill last week, I mean, my parents are around the corner, but with what what's going on in the in in the world with the pandemic, they've not been able to look after um, my son as much. But when I was ill, the anxiety because I felt like if I was ill in the night and I'd have to rush to hospital or, you know, I, I kind of was getting a bit panicky thinking about that. But, you know, you just don't know if you if you, you know, I couldn't move out of bed because I was you know, extremely lethargic and I had flu. But I just thought, you know, if there's an emergency, you know, what what would I do? And it, you do get anxious about that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You do feel the pressure at times, don't you, about if anything were to happen like that, but you just have to make the best of it. Um, I can remember it's not anywhere near the same level. Looking back, it was all a bit bonkers, but when our pet cat, um, collapsed and died one day and it was just me and the girls in the house and um, just went something just clicked in my brain just went into sort of like right let's just do this do what we can mode phone mum and dad they drove over ready to help me take the cat to the vets I was looking after the girls we were all doing bits and pieces working as a team and um, we somehow coped and I know it's, it's that no fight and same. flight yeah kind of. something yeah. kicks in and you know that you know um, you can Yes, you can is something that sticks with me, which is it sounds a bit cheesy, but I've got a little thing on my wall, a little heart that says, yes, you can. And every now and again, I look at it and especially, you know, I've been through stages over the past year where I've been trying to study at uni as well as teaching and being a single parent. And there are moments where I thought, oh, gosh, can I keep doing this? And I've seen that. And as cheesy as it sounds, it really helped me. And I was thinking that that's one of the things I wanted us to talk about today, that sort of for anyone possibly who's maybe just becoming a single parent or is, is quite new to it still or is having a really tough time at the moment, just to try for us to chat. And hopefully if 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 you're listening to this today and you take one thing away from it and think, oh gosh, yes, that they're coping with it. This is how they've taken their journey and that's inspiring. Or maybe I could do it like that. Then I'll be really chuffed. Yeah, and get easy on yourself as well. Cause I think that's something that I've, I've kind of not done over the, I mean, I've been separated for three years now. And I think at the start, there was a lot of guilt around uh, my son being from a separated family, from a single parent household. Um, and just that, you know, am I overcompensating because he's in a single parent household and then trying to compensate for, for things. So, you know, go easy on yourself. And also something that I've learned over the past kind of 18 months is to take care of yourself. Because I think if you're not in, you know, a place where you're strong and healthy, um, you know, you can't be that support system or pillar of strength for, for your child really so um so I've I've been really at times burnt out by working full-time and and doing things around the house and looking after a toddler um with a support network but it still burns you out so I think I've just taken a step back and like our podcast name you know the good enough human you know just you don't worry about everything trying to do everything and have that picture perfect lifestyle um you are enough yeah absolutely absolutely there's another phrase that comes to mind that I spotted on the BBC news website about how to cope with you know coronavirus and it applies equally one of the things that stuck in my mind was the phrase do it badly 
because yeah I I put myself under pressure as well too if I'm going to do something I've got to do it properly I've got to do it to such a degree Um, whereas this encourages you to okay I'm going to do some tidying today I'm just going to do what I can and not put myself under pressure to have a pristine looking living room Mm. at the end of the day do it badly and it 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 works it might sound a bit silly but it kind of takes the pressure off that you just do it just get it done instead of thinking oh I can't do it I'm going to procrastinate and put it off because I can't do it as perfectly as I want to does that make sense yeah I'm a bit the opposite I like to just um do everything do lots of things but not I don't need to do them like with perfection so I'd quickly clean the house and as long as it's you know quickly do the, the jobs I need to do um so I'm quantity rather than quality, really. Um, I don't know what what kind of the best situation is with that. But, yeah, I think taking care of yourself, recharging. Um, we all need time out, don't we? Um, and that's regardless whether we're a single parent. I don't, don't, I don't know if you've noticed, obviously, because you've got a very young boy, but the, when I had young children, it's adult conversation as well. If you're on your own with a child, it, oh, you know... <laughs> you really crave sort of oh, someone just to have a normal conversation with yeah yes. and especially through through lockdown so you know I'd, I'd go into work usually and we'd have that um you know that time in the morning where we'd all chat about what we watched the night before and then lunchtime we'd go for um you know if we had time for lunch we'd go for a walk around um to the shop to or the canteen so it's that interaction whereas now working from home it's been quite isolating um and you know you're talking to people on zoom all the time and teams but it's a lot different to seeing them physically yeah it's not the same is it 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 tides us over but I think as well that this sort of third lockdown we really have got to the stage haven't we where through the winter as well we have all had enough we are ready ready to see some light at the end of the tunnel which is coming and it's brilliant you know spring feels like spring has sprung outside spring flowers nights are drawing out I don't know about you two but I'm starting to feel a bit better because of that and knowing that things are going to start to be eased and we can start to see more people outdoors can't wait for that yeah, really, really pleased about that. And the sun shining these past couple of days just lifts the mood, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And um, I'd be interested to know what you two think as well, uh, whether it's just me getting middle-aged, seriously middle-aged. <laughs> I've got so into nature as a form of therapy, even just sticking my head out the back door in the morning before I start work, listening to a blackbird. Cheesy as that yeah. sounds, it's quite therapeutic. Do you do yeah. anything like that? More recently, yeah, I think since lockdown, um, like podcasts I've been listening to and like spirituality, um, the f- things I've been reading on the internet, they, they say connect with nature because it's, it's really important to go back to the roots and it awakens um, that kind of, I don't know, that feeling inside you that you feel alive again. So yeah, I've been trying, I know it sounds really... <laughs> really crazy but yeah I've been trying to do that getting out in nature enjoying walks in the country um, because I'm lucky to be in a part of Wales that is very green and open so yeah appreciating the outdoors more yeah we're so we're so blessed aren't we with all the lovely countryside or near me there's a nice park that I can just walk a few circuits of and yeah yeah what about you Sarah you've got some lovely countryside near you haven't you I do but I just I do you know I'm 
I am obviously the exact opposite of the both of you. I mean, I do go for a walk nearly every day, but I almost see it as a chore because I can't do anything else. I actually loved it when I used to go to the gym because it would motivate me and I would see other people for the classes. And now, you know, it's the same boring walk, really, because uh-huh. you can't get in a car and go up Malfama or somewhere. I mean, we're on the border of Wales. Lovely walk. I mean, yes, I am very blessed and lucky. I live in a beautiful area and it is green around me, but I've done that same walk a lot. And I actually, I am, I'm finding it really difficult. I find the whole of lockdown difficult. I mean, I think the most important thing for all of us is to have a really great support system with family and friends because, you know, I was thinking about that, especially as a, as a single parent, and I have been through that. You you have to do everything. I mean, I feel a bit like that because my mum needs a lot of care now as well. So I, you know, although my children are older, I've, I've still got someone to care for. But, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of all the emergencies that keep happening, you know, the car stops. Uh, we've had so many. I've had a leaking pipe. Oh, God. You know, I mean, I, and, and like you said, your son had to be rushed to the hospital. Mm. I find in lockdown that's really hard. You know, every time something goes wrong, I almost wish that there, there was someone else. Yeah, you know, you when you have right a partner or a husband and you can say to them, help. Oh, what do I do? But when you're on your own, you can't do that. You're on your own. There isn't anyone around. At least that's how I feel that you can sort of call upon yeah, it. a lot of pressure that I feel when that happens like like you mentioned when my son was taken to hospital after falling off his scooter yesterday it, it was it was quite scary because I was like trying to calm him down trying to get him in the car you know if you had another person there another partner you'd say you know accompany me and you know while you keep him calm in the back I'd be driving so yeah but I guess you, ha- we, you have to be the perfect person in a way you've got to keep it all together and sometimes it's so hard to do that. And I'm one of these people going for a walk doesn't help me. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's different things, isn't it, for different people? And I know, Sarah, that you you have a great penchant for quilting, which I admire hugely. <laughs> that sounds hugely therapeutic. I wish I could do it that. Does. <laughs> <laughs> only only since lockdown. <laughs> Why not? What a productive, wonderful thing of mind. Yeah, I suppose if everyone can find something like that, whether it's sewing or painting or writing or walking, something that just gives them something to take their mind off things, to focus on something else. It is. I guess that must be my therapy. You're right, Angela. I do quilting. Yeah. Um. (laughs) That's cool. It's, It's whatever works for you, isn't it? Um, definitely yeah I am a bit sick of it though to be honest with you I'm on my fifth quilt now and I don't want to make any more quilts ever again it's like a production line (laughs) um what was I going to say yeah something that occurred to me is and when I was making a note and thinking about oh what would I share if I were to go back in time and to talk to myself as a newly single parent maybe panicking thinking can I do this can I do this and one of the one of the big takeaways for me would be to pat myself on the back more um I remember it being yeah, I remember it being described to me as, you know, when your children have certain achievements in life and if they spend a lot of the time with you, then you should take a bigger percentage of the credit for it and yeah. you should be really proud. And we, we, we're too, we're our own worst enemies at times, aren't we? And beating ourselves up about things, oh, I should do this and I should do that, where maybe um, turning it around and much more patting ourselves on the back 
which maybe we don't get enough as adults and certainly as single parents and carers, perhaps. Yeah, that's really interesting because when I first met you, Angela, that's one of the, the things that we spoke about and how you know value being a single parent and turn it round and you know look at those achievements you've got through and with your children when they achieve things and their, their growth and development and look at it as a pat on the back for yourself and think, wow, I've achieved all this. So yeah, cause sometimes we dwell on all the negatives and all the bad things about being a single parent, but it'd be interesting to hear Sarah because you're a little bit further along the journey um, than I am. Obviously my son's only six and your mm. children are grown up. Now, how did you cope? I remember my mum giving me some brilliant advice when I was really agonizing because I had a, a child of, I had a baby. And when I divorced, I, I separated and divorced when my second daughter was literally a baby, literally. And I had another one who was like three and I had to get a, I had to go back a train and get a job. I mean, I had to. And that meant I was gone all day practically. And I said to, I was, I remember crying because I was trying to breastfeed this baby. And I said, I feel so guilty because I should be with my baby. But, you know, I was living with my parents at the time. I moved back home and my mom said to me, and I've never forgotten this. She said, you know, your daughter is with people who love her and you love her. You have to go out and get a job and get qualifications. And you know what? When she's older, she's going to appreciate the fact that her mum has a job and is bringing in an income. And she was like, she's not going to remember this apart wow. from the fact that she's loved. Wow. And she was so right. You know, That's amazing. And it, and it stopped me feeling guilty. I suddenly realized, you know, she's right. But you do need a very good support system. You have to have family or someone you can't do I don't think you can be a single parent on your own. I think it's too hard. So um, I Yeah, even if even if you haven't got someone who lives nearby and you think, oh gosh, who can I turn to? There are some amazing local community organizations. There are some national charities like gingerbread that are worth making contact with and they do have help. Yeah, lines really and good support. gingerbread. Yeah. yeah, superb advice there. So And Facebook groups as well. There's a lot of single parent Facebook groups. And like like you mentioned, if you've not got that immediate support network with family and friends locally, you know, you can you can reach out to, to people on these groups like gingerbread and on facebook and you know sometimes if they're not around the corner um it's good to just just to speak to someone going through the same thing um and just just to have a chat yeah definitely definitely I think that's the thing as well that's a lesson that it's taken me many many years to learn don't bottle things up yeah um, and don't feel afraid to lean on others either. yeah Express your feelings. Don't keep them bottled up because that's when it's going to, you know, fester away potentially. Even if it's venting to someone via a Facebook group who perhaps you don't know as well, that might be easier for you to just a problem shared is a problem halved is the old cliched phrase. But it's so true. And to get that off your chest and, you know, look, I feel really angry today or I've had a really bad day. Um, and just knowing that you've got that safe space to get that off your chest and, and feel better. Um, mm. yeah. would, you, would you say Sarah that it gets easier in time because um, I've been doing it for three years now and um, it does feel like it, it's got easier we you know the key, the key thing for me was to establish a routine and yes have, I think that's essential especially yeah. in lockdown keeping to a routine yeah to have that structure um, so he has set days where he goes to his father's and um, yeah so in terms of handing them over to the other parent I know that sounds awful handing them over but just like sharing that contact that was a real struggle for me at first 
you know, letting them go to the other parent who you know loves them and will care for them, but it's letting your baby go, isn't it? So I think that was it's a struggle the for me. hardest thing. Oh my God, to be the better person and yeah. not all the bitterness or anger you have inside, keeping it, well, in my case, a lot of people's cases, I'm sure keeping that inside and not passing it on to your child. And it's the greatest Definitely. gift you can give your child, but it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And then when they go, it's it's that kind of void and you think, what am I going to do with myself? And, you know, I used to sometimes, I'm not scared to admit it, I used to just cry when he'd go and I'd be like, what am I going to do? And I wonder where he was and what he was doing. Um, So I did used to beat myself up a lot, but then I turned it on its head and I thought you know, use this opportunity to have time for myself, connect with friends and do something for myself. And I'm at the three-year stage now and I don't, I I know it's going to sound awful, but I like it when my son goes to his dad's because I do have a bit of free time and I just think, oh, wow, I can can relax a bit because it is quite intense. Yeah, absolutely. And you deserve that. We all need that time off, don't we? I know when yours go on a Friday, Angela, you have a bit of breathing space and it sounds horrible that you're dying for them to go at that point. But, you know, I never thought I'd get to that stage, though, because in in the early stage, I was like, I can't be without you. I've never been a night without you. And um, felt felt wrong. It felt odd. And it's it's kind of it's it's building a new normal, isn't it? And adjusting and adapting yes, to that. Definitely. And and like you say, it gets to a point where you think, oh, I can have a breather. I can go catch yes. up with my mates over coffee. <laughs> I could have a night out, go to the cinema, yes. do what the heck I want, slob out for the day. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I never had that. I never oh, had really? that. No, because I left countries. I moved from Singapore back to the UK, and their father was back there in oh, Singapore. Gosh. So. It was very intense. I never had a break. And that is, I I think I'm glad that you appreciate it because if you never have a chance, I mean, I'm lucky. I don't regret it for a second. It was great. And I never, I never got to sort of cry when they went, when they left to go to their dads, put it that way. So it was different. That's a different ball game, isn't it? Fair, fair play to you. That's. uh... So you're working full time and two. No, I could never do it full time. I worked, I mean, I worked part, I worked full time for a while. Then when I moved here, I was part time and I gradually, as they got older, um, worked full time. I did end up working full time in the end. Yes. So I was lucky. I was lucky. I had because I live with my parents. I don't think I could have done it living alone. Hats off to you and anyone who does it on their own. I really admire you. But I actually moved home and um, I didn't mind at all living with my mum. I still live with my mum. So. That's lovely. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, my my parents are less than a mile away from me, um, so it, it, I'm really lucky in that respect. But obviously, like I said, with lockdown, it's been harder for me to see them because they're quite elderly. Um, but yeah, I think another worry that I, I've spoke to you, Angela, about is is whether you know, having that separation and being that single parent, whether it's going to affect children long term. And I think we all have that that in our minds. Uh, but Sarah, I think your your children are. I'm shaking my head. No, as long as your child's loved by both, there's it's fine. And it's it's almost the norm. There are so many families like this nowadays that our children just take it all in their stride. Yes. Um, I mean, my daughters love their father dearly and they see him regularly. And they've always had that relationship with him. It, it never died. They just didn't, you know, see him as often when they were very young. But he wasn't really good with young kids anyway. But now they absolutely have a fabulous relationship with him so 
Um, it has right. doesn't it really and it does get easier because they can choose, you know, yeah. and there'll come a time when your son will decide who he wants to be with or what he wants to do. He'll be his own person anyway. I think, Angela, what we've said before as well. The, the hard thing about sharing them on and you know key dates like christmas day birthdays and that yeah. that's an all that's a struggle for me yes. my son's birthday's yes. just been and we split the day christmas day we split the day and you think that your, your child's being pulled from pillar to post but you know you want to be fair to both parents and and to make sure that you know they see both parents but it is tough isn't it it is and i think that's the thing at times like that, trying to think, well, what, what's what's the best thing for them? Are they happy? And as they adapt and adjust, they are, they love it. And they're spending time with both parents in different houses, creating memories. And they've got all these other sort of figures and role models in their lives. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's really beneficial for them. So, and it, it, it does get easier, doesn't it? There are, but there are still, there are still days where you feel a bit wobbly or a bit, you can feel a bit down. And I think that's something to sort of be accept and just go with um that yeah there will be moments where you might feel a bit fed up and certainly lockdown um has that effect on us doesn't it with the isolation mm. but we know that there are many good times ahead and simple pleasures to sort of enjoy like you know, the girls and I at home will plan meals and we're obsessed with cooking different meals and coming up with meal planners for the week and we're going to make a Victoria sponge cake and just lovely little simple pleasures like that that formed part of the sort of tapestry of our lives through lockdown. But I think it's brought us so much closer together, another positive. Yeah, that's really nice. And you almost form like that new family unit, don't you? Yes, that's it. That's what that's what struck me. It was almost like a, a different bond and a stronger bond, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm. Really, really close. Well, enjoy it because they will leave home. Oh, <laughs> they will go to university. <laughs> and I feel very jealous because although I had my oldest daughter for years when she was younger and she didn't see her dad that often because he was in Singapore, she's now moved to Singapore and I haven't seen her for oh, nearly two years now gosh. because of lockdown. And he has her all the time. And I feel oh, really oh, jealous. I'm like, it's not fair. But, you know, that's life. <laughs> yeah. How old are your, your children now, Sarah? Oh, gosh, they're old. My um, my eldest is 29. And then I have a daughter who's um, 25. And then I have a daughter who's 19 who's just gone to university. Wow. So I am truly alone now. Empty nest. <laughs> so that, that's that's something for the future for us. I can't well, imagine. Well, one's flown that, for you, Angela, hasn't he? One's already flown gone. to Leeds. <laughs> yes. And and that's the thing, you know, I do miss him and I know he's quite a way away, and especially with coronavirus, but he's happy. And I think, mm. gosh, if And I, you're proud of him. So, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say you're so proud of what he's achieved. Really, we should all be really, really proud, you know, that our children are thriving and achieving so many different things and um yeah. It's that huge pat on the back thing, isn't it? We flipping well deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll never stop missing them. That's the thing. You never will, no matter where they are or how old they are. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not easy parenting, is it? But it's so worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's really rewarding, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, when so we're tired... gonna, I have a question for, for you ladies who are trying to, your children are homeschooling or were homeschooling. We, I mean, have you been worried about their mental health? There's been a lot of talk about children's mental health being affected in lockdown. And I wondered if, if you feel your children have suffered as a result. 
I think it's something that we've been very mindful of um, and different things work for different children. Um, some prefer to be in school, which um, they can be if they're struggling with mental health and others prefer to work from home. And I think, again, it's not beating ourselves up about that and, you know, all this talk of, oh, children are going to lose out. No, they're not. They'll make up for it at a later date. Um, when we get through this, we want a summer of play or chilling out for them and we can make up for it at a later date. The important thing is staying safe and healthy and trying to sort of keep an eye on mental health. But yeah, there, there are different concerns, aren't there, for, yeah. in terms of definitely, it, I think a lot of parents are aware of that, aren't they? The potential impact on mental health of routines going out the window. So I think it's great that some children can if they have any mental health issues go into school um some schools are supporting that and that can make a difference it gives them that little bit of a routine whereas others perfectly happy at home we're all different aren't we we all handle mm. things in different ways and it's great that we can all work together as parents and carers and school authorities and teachers to do the best for our children for the next generation if that answers your question yeah and i've yeah I've... I've not been concerned, overly concerned about the homeschooling. I mean, he's only six. Um, but regardless of that, even if he was older, I feel that uh, the most important thing was ensuring that his mental health was OK. And so we've done a lot of crafts and out and about and um, cycling. Um, so the, the actual homeschooling hasn't been a priority for me. I mean, in Scandinavia, most children don't go to school until they're around seven anyway, because they feel that it's more important for them to be out in nature um, and doing things with with their parents. So, um yeah right, right. the homeschooling yeah. hasn't been I know friends have been texting me saying how much homeschooling have you done today I feel really bad because I've only got through one task sheet sent from the school and I'm like I don't really care you know he will catch up he's bright and intelligent but even if he wasn't there's resources out there which will support them in school um and yeah the key thing has been the mental health with with him being so young it's been difficult for him to connect with his friends um they've had the odd whatsapp call but having four five six-year-olds on a whatsapp call was a bit chaotic um imagine. so yeah it's just it's it's just been me and him but then again it's not been too dissimilar to what would be you know in normal times it'd be me him and his dad obviously separate separated um and seeing my parents so yeah it has been tough but I think I think like the light is is that it's coming isn't it it is schools opening again for the whole school community we've got dates there haven't we for that return to a bit of normality and and vaccination being rolled out so yeah I feel like there's a a lot of light at the end of the tunnel which is great to see and spring is in the air which is fantastic that makes me feel a heck of a lot better <laughs> the light nights yeah definitely. yes yes it makes a difference doesn't it so we're nearly at the end of our time ladies we've um we've covered a lot of ground i'm sure we could cover a lot more in future we'll have to reconvene won't we and have a regular chat um about all sorts of things single parenting related because i've really enjoyed it thank you yeah it's very good thank you very much sarah and thank you antonia thank you ladies no it's been really nice really great hearing everyone's different perspectives 
Yeah, we haven't even touched on dating after divorce, have we? That's another topic in it. <laughs> oh my that's goodness. That's that would be like five hours. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to that one. <laughs> So, Angela, obviously you're a bit further along in the journey than me, having been a single parent for um, a number of years now. How do you feel that kind of shaped you as a person? Are you a lot different to, to when you were married and how you were a parent then? Yeah, that that is a really good question um, because I was thinking about this and reflecting on it that if you told me 10 years ago, uh, back in 2011, when my marriage broke down, and I was a single parent of a four-year-old, a six-year-old and a 13-year-old that um, this would go on for, for 10 years plus, I'd have, I'd have run screaming into <laughs> up a mountain to a primal scream or something. Um, but do you know what? I've taken it step by step and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There were moments, especially in the early days, where I thought, I can't do this. This is too much. How am I going to cope? But um, I think reflecting on the great advice that your mum gave to you, Antonia, as well, that we're not the only ones who've been through this. We're not the first. We won't be the last. We, we can mm-hmm. do it. I think I've taken it step by step. And strangely, but very positively, when I reflect back, I think how how much I've grown and we've grown as a family unit. And it, it might sound very dramatic to say, but I feel like within the end of my marriage, certainly, or at some point in my marriage, I kind of lost myself as an individual. I became yeah, a lot of people say that. Mm. A mum, yeah, a workmate, a friend, lost myself and... Since coming out of the marriage, I've gone on to push myself to do things like get involved in theatre, the Chester Mystery Plays, acting on stage and singing, which... You've done so much. um, If you told me back in 2011 when I was sort of an anxious um, bit of a wreck at the time initially that I wouldn't have believed you. But it's been, it's definitely been the making of me and it's made me more ambitious. I remember my cousin telling me something similar when she came out of a marriage, um, determined to make something of life and to be a role model for my children. So I've done different Do you things. Think, and, yeah. Do you think it was like a light bulb moment or was it, a, was it a kind of a conscious thing where, you know, I need to do stuff for me now? Um, and how many years was it before you decided, you know, I need, I need to start looking after myself and, and doing things for me now? I think it was a gradual thing. Um, and I think similar to you, Antonia, as well, I got to a point where I thought, gosh, I'm a trained journalist I, and I haven't really written for years and I missed that. And there was a creative side of me that uh, part of what I love about journalism is meeting people and finding out about them and spreading the word about good stuff that's going on. And it was reconnecting with that that I found really therapeutic and powerful. I think we've got that yeah. in common, haven't we? <laughs> it does It does take time though, doesn't it? Because like I've said to you previously, you know, I lost my mojo for writing and, and reading, which I'm really passionate about both. But when you're in that low place and when you got so much going on you you feel like I well I I just didn't want to do either of those things and it it does take time doesn't it 
Oh gosh, don't get me wrong. There are there are times still. I think we all go through that, don't we? Especially with everything we've been through with lockdown, where you just think, "Oh, I just can't do that. Just put that yeah. in the box, and I'll maybe come back to that mojo completely gone." And then before you know it, it'll come back. Or a trick that I've learned, which I try and encourage myself with now, if I am feeling a bit, oh, I'm just not inspired, where do I start? I just think, right, open the computer. Don't stare at a blank screen. Get a few words down or start editing. And before right. you know it, you feel more motivated. And it, it's you do. tricks and tips that we've learned over the years. And it's it's definitely made a difference. And I think helped me, make me a more rounded, happier mother, friend, daughter, <laughs> individual, which is a yeah. part of it, isn't it? So have you found similar in your journey so far, Antonia, <laughs> turning the tables on you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I'm... I'm finally realizing that you know there's there's more to life than you know being a parent and a work colleague um and I do feel that now I'm you know doing things for myself and sometimes you get to the <laughs> you get to the point where you think you know am I being selfish you know because there's there's friends of mine that um aren't single parents so they're you know with their children all the time but um you know I do think once once you get that moment of freedom when they go to their other other parent, you know, you do get that uh, kind of feeling that I need to do something for myself. Otherwise, you'll just be sitting in the house alone and, and doing nothing. So I feel, yeah, I feel really good at the moment. I'm getting back into my writing, um, doing some short courses uh, alongside work and also obviously the podcast and helps as well. Um, so, yeah, it's like you said, it's finding yourself um and not even you know through divorce I think generally as as you're so busy working full-time and you know in a stressful job and then with lockdown you, you tend to just forget about yourself and what you love and and things like that well I I did and I I do so um yeah it's just it's just trying to find your mojo again really Definitely is. And and we touched on that in the first item in um, our podcast, didn't we, where we talked about even something as simple as going out for a walk or going in the garden, getting some sunshine, looking at, I don't know, uh, a bee buzzing around or flowers or daffodils. It it all helps, doesn't it? It's all part of our coping mechanism. Yeah, and I think as as things open up again, um, I don't know how people feel about that. I've had I've had mixed kind of views on some people are saying, "Oh, I'm quite scared for things to open up again because I I like to be in my cocoon. I like that insular life now because we're used to it." Um, Yeah, and I I feel in in some respects I am as well, and uh, and I'm a bit scared to go out again into the into the real world, so to speak, into the normal world that like we knew it. but I think once things start opening and we start having that physical contact with people again, which I think we're craving, um, I, I think times will be a lot better for, for, for everyone, really. Um, you know, it's great chatting to people on in the virtual space, but it, it doesn't beat that face-to-face interaction, does it? No, I know. I think we have reached that stage, haven't we, where, um, I mean, I, me- I mentioned to you, didn't I, Antonia, about Friday nights now, where it's got to the stage where it's <laughs> me and my <laughs> lovely little cat, Holly, um, and the highlight of our evening, how rock and roll is this, is watching Monty Don, Gardener's World Highlights, and I think, oh, Angela, um, you know, <laughs> it's time, time to start planning and thinking about oh, yeah. yourself and planning ahead and building confidence. Confidence. But like you, 
I do feel a bit freaked out by it. And from what I'm reading and hearing people, I think we're not alone in feeling like that. We're kind of in our cocoons and it will take yeah. time, but we'll get there, won't we? And, and hopefully get out and enjoy the sunshine and the spring and summer as things yeah. open up. And that'll all help as well. So <laughs> Yeah. And getting back to things like Storyhouse and Theatre Cluids and, you know, doing all we are Chester stuff, which we're, we really love. You know, we, we miss uh, I know I do. I miss going to the theatre, and um, yeah. yeah, so I'm just really craving that at the moment. I can't wait for a, a Friday night uh, show at the Story House, like we used to go to. <laughs> me too. Me too. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 So we we've covered certainly covered a lot of ground, haven't we? And I think. Um, and we're very passionate, aren't we, about sharing what we've learned. As I can't emphasise enough, we're not experts, but sharing, spreading the word about the different points on the journey that we're at in single parenting and maybe some tips that we've learned along the way in the hope that it might be helpful to you listening today. We hope that it is. Um, and just to say that if you're listening and you want to get in touch and give us any feedback or any ideas for stuff that we can cover in the future, we'd love to hear from you because we're very passionate about this. And I think this will be part of, am I right to say, is it fair to say, Antonia, it could be part of a series on aspects Definitely. of single parenting. So we're, we're really passionate about that. So, um, yeah, yeah. And can I just say, totally off topic, but from editing the first part of this podcast, um, I was very aware that my little cat Holly featured in parts of it. So I would like to apologise oh, retrospectively if you've listened and you thought, oh, what's that strange little meow that I've heard from time to time in the earlier bit of the podcast? And Holly obviously wanted in on the podcasting action. She wants to be that. So there you go. That explains it if you think, what the heck is that weird noise? We'll be doing Stephen out of a job soon with his music if we've got your cat. Meowing. Definitely, definitely. Very musical meowing. So, I mean, yeah, we've covered a lot of ground. We can cover some more stuff in the future. Is there anything else that you think we should cover before we wind up? I think it's just reaching out to others in a similar position and don't isolate yourself, which we said in the in the first session of the podcast. Um, like we've mentioned before, there are various resources out there, uh, for example, Gingerbread and Facebook groups. Um, and I guess the financial side as well, which we didn't touch on. Um, you know, it can be tough being a single parent financially. You know, we're not all as, as, as lucky to be able to you know have that uh, financial security with two parent income um so yeah probably bearing that in mind and looking at at ways people can get advice on that and obviously there's a citizen advice bureau um across the region that can offer advice and help on things like benefits and financial um, things available to you that's really good advice because that was one thing that looking back I've never been brilliant at that but I've got better at simple things little things like sitting down and doing a budget um I've had to give myself a bit of a talking to at times in the past that come on Angela sit down <laughs> I've been really scared of doing a budget and seeing what I've got what I've got left to spend what can I spend on food but once you've done it you feel empowered you feel so much better and I guess it's all part and parcel of getting that advice. And there's a charity that I used to work for called Family Lives, and they've got a lot of resources as well. 
in terms of parenting and single parenting and yeah asking for help and seeing if there is anyone who can support you in terms of childcare because I know it's not cheap if you've got family or friends around then that makes a difference but it's all yeah. it's a big jigsaw isn't it and I think we'll, it'd be great to cover some parts of this more in depth in future episodes. Yeah I mean it's tough at the moment because you can't you know just ask a friend to potentially babysit or or a family member but I know that um some other single parents that I know have kind of shared childcare for example they pick um you know the children all up from school and then they share it the next time someone else would pick them up from school and then have them for tea so um but obviously now we can't lean on our, our friends and family um but soon hopefully yeah yeah, hopefully that's that's given you some insight into our journey, both Sarah, myself and Antonia. And we yeah, we hope you've enjoyed that and got something out of it. Please do get in touch if there's anything you want to share with us, anything you think we should cover in the future. We're very passionate about it. And thank you for listening to our journey. And uh, we're, we're proud to share it. So thank you so much. And yeah. That's it for this week. So as we come to the end of our podcast on single parenting, thank you all so much for listening and to Sarah and Angela for sharing their experiences on solo parenting. It's always great to chat to people who are in the same boat to know you're not the only one going through this. As my mum always says, you won't be the first and you definitely won't be the last. So just remember that. I think the key thing is also to remember to be kind to yourself. Take care of yourself and recharge where you can. Don't put too much pressure on yourself or be afraid to lean on others. And also don't isolate yourself. There's plenty of resources out there which you can tap into online and on social media to join groups and organisations to help you along your journey. Also, I think it's important to value being a single parent and everything you achieve and your children achieve. And hats off to all of us juggling so many things at once. Thanks also to Dr. Kenyon Owen for bringing our Good Enough Human podcast to life with his fab music. And also, above all, thank you all for listening. Until the next time, take care of yourself, stay safe and remember, you've got this.